Denise Caldwell's dream was to be a professional choreographer. As a child, she spent hours being instructed in the finer points of the art form at schools for the performing arts in her native St. Louis. In addition to being a talented dancer, Denise was also gifted in math and science. During her high school years, Denise would focus her efforts toward the sciences with a new dream of becoming a doctor. By graduation, she was poised for success as a pre-med student. When the time came for that all-important decision, she chose to attend Howard University in Washington, D.C. The chemistry faculty welcomed their latest scholar with open arms. Denise was ready to continue her journey. Everyone was convinced that becoming a doctor was her fate. Everyone, that is, except for Denise. During her sophomore year, Denise began to listen to the screams of her inner voice that until this point had been mere whispers. Those screams were guiding her into the world of media and fashion. After a heart-to-heart -heart conversation with her family, Denise made the plunge and switched majors, a decision that shifted the entire trajectory of her life. An internship at the Office of Communications at Howard University would give her the opportunity to meet a team from Seventeen Magazine. Like most everyone else, the team was intoxicated by Denise's bubbly and positive energy and personality. Her work ethic and organizational skills did not go unnoticed either. The team, still moved by the impression that Denise made upon them, offered her an internship in New York City. That was only the beginning. Internships led to entry-level jobs, and with, as she says, passion, faith, and grit, she ascended the ranks of the fashion world, becoming a stylist for some of the biggest names in Hollywood, music, and media. Denise's career has evolved even further, and she's now a seasoned style and beauty expert and can be seen on many TV shows. But Denise is not done yet. The next move she makes will be even bigger. And even if we are not sure what it is as yet, we can be guaranteed that she will look good while making it. This is the story, thus far, of Denise Caldwell. I am Crispin Brooks, and this is Planet 30. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Planet 30. Today we have with a style and beauty expert, Denise Caldwell. Denise, welcome to Planet 30. Hey, Kristen. How are you? Thanks I, for having me. I'm doing well. It's an honor. It's an honor. Tell me, Denise, you are just everything when it comes to beauty and fashion. Was this always your dream job growing up? Um, well, no, first off, you're too kind to say I'm everything, but thank you for that. Um, growing up, I actually wanted to be a dance choreographer. Um, like Debbie Allen is, was like my end and be all of everything. I just loved her. Um, and so I decided when I was in the sixth grade that I wanted to go to Howard University and that I wanted to be this famous dance choreographer because of Debbie Allen. Um, and I wanted to like be a producer because, you know, she was doing so many great things at the time. But um, so that was kind of my dream job was to like be a famous dancer and a famous dance choreographer. Uh, so always in the realm of entertainment, I see. 
Yeah, I'm a former VPA kid. So um, elementary school, middle school, I went to visual performing arts. Um, and so it was kind of like you would think like fame and um, the Disney kids, um, just that whole thing. Our hallway was like filled with that, you know, forever acting, painting, singing, dancing, um, you know, so many different things in our schools um, and it was always such a diverse, you know, community um, and they really let us, you know, channel our energies and like I like to say, let our freak flags fly right. um, at school. So that's kind of, you know, I grew up in the Midwest and so I was a visual performing arts kid. So it was really all about the art. So you did a uh, VPA from elementary into high school. So do you sing and play piano or, or anything else other than dance? Yeah, I, well, I went to VPA. I went elementary school and I went for middle school. Um, and so I originally took vocal, so singing, um, and I played the piano. Um, I played the xylophone, the handbell. Um, and then in middle school, because I started discovering boys even more, I took band and I started playing the alto saxophone. <laughs> hey. Um now, I don't know how to play much, but the only song I know how to play is uh, Donny Hathaway's This Christmas. I, I can jam to that still. Um, and I really kind of, it was natural for me, um, the, the musician part, because my dad was a percussionist. Um, and so he plays the bongos, he plays the bass, um, and he also plays the drums. So I kind of had that kind of innate talent, and he could sing a little bit. Um, but dance became like my first love. Um, because a lot of my friends were dancers when I was in elementary school. Um, but, I, you know, for those who have seen pictures of me, um, you know, or know me, I'm a curvy person and I've always been curvy. So I didn't necessarily know if dance would fit in the mode of a body type. Um, but once I kind of started developing my skills, um, dance became like my first love and my, my major, my official talent. Um, with everything. So I went on to really be successful as a dancer. Um, but later on, as I got older, I realized that I couldn't keep the weight requirement, you know, for what they required me to be as a professional dancer. So um, I kind of thought choreography might be the way to go. Mm-hmm. So Denise, you mentioned, you know, okay, after dance, you fulfill your dream and you end up at Howard University, but you were a chemistry major. Why chemistry and not something in the arts? I was. So when I I was went to physical performing arts school, elementary school and middle school, when I got um, ready to graduate my middle school, my math and science scores were really, really high. And, you know, at this point I knew I wanted to go to Howard and I, you know, I was set on being, you know, a dance choreographer, but not necessarily that I needed to major in that. Um, I knew that Howard had a huge, you know, fine arts program, but I was still young. Um, and so my counselor was like, you know, had you ever considered, because your math and science score is so high on all these standardized tests and your grades in, in those subjects are really, you know, excellent, maybe you should go to a math and science high school. So I went to a math and science high school, and from there we had majors. Um, so I was a chem, I was a chemi chemical, chemical laboratory something major. 
Um, and at that time, you know, CSI and stuff had really started being really big. So I was like, oh, I could be a forensic pathologist. There you go. <laughs> and so that's where the chemistry came in. Um, I didn't leave dance behind. Um, I was still dancing. I was a cheerleader and I was also um, a dancer for our dance team in high school. So I still was able to, you know, do all those things. But as far as career-wise, I was like, oh, this chemistry may have something to it. I knew that I could make a great career in it, that I would, you know, financially be more stable. Um, so that's kind of how that happened. And Howard had a really good chemistry program, and they also had a great medical school. So um, I kind of just was like, I've always been ambitious, and I've always kind of been the person to see a bigger picture at a young age. Um, it's kind of me being an old soul. So I decided to major in chemistry at Howard, um, you know, but then that kind of changed as I got there. <laughs> so how, how long did you uh, remain a chemistry major? Was it like a semester or two or? No, I actually, um, so I, American Chemical Society of America um, had given me a scholarship and they also had made me a member. Um, so I had taken chemistry for a full year and a half um, and my minor was math. So I tested in with calculus. Um, so I kind of was already complete with my math requirements once I got to Howard. Um, it just kind of like in my heart, once I got on the campus, really started getting involved in, like, social activities, uh, social justice activities, philanthropic stuff. I kind of was just like, you know what? My BPA passions really started to kind of show. And I was like, I think I'll be happier if I switch to something else. I, I no longer really desired to go to med school. Um, not to say that chemistry wasn't challenging because it was, you know, I was used to being an A student and I was, you know, getting B's and some A's, but it, you know, it was a challenge, but it wasn't a challenge where I was like excited about it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just said, you know what, maybe there's something else that I can do. Um, so before I kind of made the change, you know, I talked it over with my family and then I just really started researching the other uh, major options that Howard had to offer. And so that's when I found out about journalism. Um, and so I ended up getting a double major in journalism and public relations. And my minor, I ended up doing uh, finance since I was already doing the math. Um, and that kind of happened my sophomore year, um, that second semester. And from there, everything just kind of took off. I would get internships in those fields every semester so I could really make sure that this was the right decision I was making and also just trying to, to discover what those majors and career fields would actually look like. Um, you know, I no longer wanted to be a dance choreographer. I still love the art of dance, but I was just like, it must be something in entertainment that I'm supposed to do. So that's really kind of how my transition happened. Right. Because I remember we, uh, we, in we interned in the same building uh, and Howard Communications. Um, we did, yeah. and that, and and that was. Um, I don't know. I don't remember how. I don't know how you might have gotten your internship, but this was like a for our thing. We had to like hugely apply for it. Um, it was like a competition, and there was this huge payoff that they were doing for us. So it was like a major stipend that they offered us for our um, for our department. And so I remember a lot of people went out for it. They had to apply for it. 
and then they had to um like write an essay about it then we went for the interview i think there was like a two-round interview um and there was a huge stipend involved i think it was like ten thousand dollars or something um it was a lot and i remember how i got mine it was because the lady said i was the only one that sent her a handwritten thank you note as a follow-up Hmm. yeah so i i think with mine i did apply I can't remember if I got paid or not, but it, I, mine was with the magazine. I think you guys were in PR, yeah. Yeah, so we were we were actually in PR in the communications thing, and it was um it was a really that was such a huge opportunity for me, um you know to experience that. I was so young doing it, and also it was like a lot of work involved. I remember like the press releases that I, we got to write. Um, 17 had come on our campus and I got to be like the liaison for the fashion fashion director. And that's how I ended up getting an internship in New York. Um, just a lot of amazing things that would happen, um, that just like kind of opened my eyes up to more entertainment industry, you know, and also, you know, how you work with journalists and how you write things properly and how, you know, you can either change the narrative or you can be true to the narrative you know or you can play into the narrative you know there were so many aspects of being a part of the public relations field that I didn't necessarily know um but it was a lot of hands-on experience so I was really grateful for that um and I think like one of the major keys from that is is that I was following my passion and I didn't necessarily you know we were young so you didn't necessarily know if you're following your passion now you can say oh it's passion it's faith it's all those (laughs) things But back then, you just were kind of like, oh, I'm excited to do this. I want to do this. I think it'll work out, you know, but or you hope, Or you hope it'll work out. <laughs> exactly. And so now it's just like kind of, um, that's the interesting part about it, that kind of now with my career and stuff, I'm like, you know, you go after what you love, you go after your passion and stuff like that. It's really cool. All right. Nice, nice. And, you know, <laughs> nothing like that, that, that experience that you gather you know over time um like you said everything was uncertain in college you're just doing you're going with the flow almost and you're trying to see how to get to that end goal what advice would you have for anyone who's well let's to go back a little bit what advice would you have for anyone that's thinking about switching majors especially from something as traditional as chemistry to uh pr because you know a lot of families and parents you know, even professors will tell you, no, no, you need a, you need a sure thing. You know, PR and media and fashion, those things aren't for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, I mean, even that, like my grandmother, you know, she kind of was like, what? You're going to work in fashion? What? You changed your major. Um, you know, and my mom was more like, you know, does it make you happy? Um, my dad, I think he kind of understood, but he just didn't necessarily speak up that much. But kind of like, okay, do your thing, but don't ask me for too much more money. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, and for my educators in my family, like my my uncle, who was like a huge educator, like, you know, has a double master's. You know, my cousin, we kind of had made this path where he would go to law school and be an attorney, which he is. And I was going to go to med school, be a doctor. So kind of, you know a lot of the people in my family were like, oh, I'm the black sheep of the family. 
but I'm also the trailblazer of the family. Right. Um, and, and that advice that I could tell people is like lead with passion. If you're going to lead with something and it's, you know, you go by your gut, you go by your instinct, you go by, you know, your instinct, what you believe, um, you know, leading with faith. And so passion, faith, and grit have always gotten me by. Um, I can articulate it a little bit more now because I see it, you know, as a business owner and as a person that is a brand, but that I've always been ambitious. I've been ambitious since I was like 10 years old in the fifth grade. Um, and I can say it's ambition now, but I can even say like how adults would look at me when I would ask them a question. You know, I was inquisitive, not disrespectful, but I wanted to know why. You know, I, I wanted to inquire, well, how can I become a part of the dance team? Okay, well, you know, I, I may not fit the weight requirement, but what do you suggest I do over the summer to be more flexible and maybe try to come down a few pounds that's healthy? Um, you know, okay, well, when will I perform? Or, you know, different things. And, and it didn't change. As I got older, I knew how to articulate it even more for that it would be on my side um, and that I would see the end result in my favor. So I've kind of always led with uh, with passion. I've led with faith. And I've also led with grit. And if you guys are like, well, what's grit? It's really just that honest hustle, rolling up your sleeves, getting the work done, first one in, last one out. Um, so if you're wanting to make a change in your major, you're wanting to make a change in your career, um, even for personal people that may be listening and you want to make a change in your personal relationships, Look at it from that way. Lead with what's going to make you happy um, and then go after it with faith and passion and you, the end result won't steer you wrong. You know, I'm just an avid believer in that. Um, and do your research, you know. Do your research about that new career change. Do your research about that change with your major because uh, that's what I did. I had met with the head of the communication department, of the PR department, I talked with some of the professors. I asked some students that were my friends, like, oh, well, what is PR? What is journalism? You know, I didn't major in, like, fashion or on, or the um, TV, radio, film section. You know, I went with something a little bit more general and then something that had a specific because I was like, oh, there's a multitude of things career-wise that I'll be able to do. And above all else, I mean, Crispin, you know this, we could teach, you know? Yeah. We can teach. You know, there's, there's always something that we can do in our career um, to still make some money and to still, you know, be able to contribute to our household. Awesome, awesome. So, Denise, how did you make the, the transition or the jump from PR student at Howard to the fashion district in New York? Like, Fill in that gap for me. You leave Howard, and then what happens? Well, I always had internships. Uh, that's something that's really valuable. So for a lot of people that are still in college, um, or you're going back to get, you know, another degree, or you're going to finish a degree, you know, or you're venturing off to become a student, and you're, you know, you're an adult. Um, and also, you know, for my young college kids, like, try to get internships, um, in your field, in the field that you're thinking that you want to go into. And that's kind of what I did. Um, how I landed in fashion, again, you know, when we were at Howard, I was able to, you know, and I think I was like a, probably like a junior, I don't, I don't even know what year that was, but um, 
I know it was early on, and to have the opportunity to work with Seventeen on campus, I parlayed that into an internship, um, and then Women's Wear Daily, which is like our fashion bible. Um, it kind of really talks about textiles industry happening on all aspects and business level levels. I ended up getting an internship in DC, um, which then got me connections to New York. So I started coming to New York in the summer and interning. Um, and one of my internships was with Fern Malice, who's the creator of New York Fashion Week at Bryant Park. Wow. And when I interned with Fern during Fashion Week, I met a lot of editors and fashion directors um, from all the different magazines. And that really helped me to get my career jump started with um, Harper's Bazaar um, because I had met the fashion market director and I knew she had just gotten her job. I had did research, so any person that I met, I kind of knew where their career w- was currently, where they came from, if they were from my hometown or were they a Midwesterner. If they went to college somewhere in D.C., I tried to always come up with a conversation piece that was like a commonality that we would have in common. Um, so when I spoke with them, it wouldn't just be about the job, but they could kind of get a personal touch. Um, and I've always been good with that. So that's the kind of a gem. Like if people are trying to see they're transitioning, especially now with the quarantine and you may be wanting to pivot your career, you know, or when you guys go back to college and school and you're thinking about internships or jobs, always think about a little personal touch or a personal gem that you can add in there because you're already qualified for the position. Mm-hmm. What's going to set you apart from the other people that are qualified from it is that people want to work with people that they like. They want to work with people that they can have a conversation with, that they can have a cup of coffee with or a meal, that they can be on a road trip with, a business trip with, um, commuting back and forth. And so that's kind of how I got my start at Harper's Bazaar because when I met um, the fashion market editor, I said, oh, I know you just got your position. You came from Cosmo, and now you're at Harper's Bazaar. That's so amazing. And, you, you you know, you're going to Paris. I think it was her first time going. I was like, you're going to go for European shows? How fantastic is that? Like, all this while I'm checking her in for her credentials to go into the show. Right. So I moved- I'm moving, I'm maneuvering, but I'm talking to her. And then she gives me her information and says, you know, I told her I I wanted to work in fashion. This was my first, you know, fashion week. And, you know, it just, all of this stuff I was excited about, I was telling her about, but I also was, you know, infusing stuff that I knew about her in there. And I mean, unbelievable. I email her. I know she's in Europe, but her assistant ended up calling me for an interview and was like, oh, you know, she's in Paris, but she told me to reach out to you. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I literally just met this lady like a week ago. I know she's overseas, but yet she thought enough about me to arrange an interview with her, with her assistant. Um, So that's kind of how it started. And, you know, from Harper's Bazaar, I just went from there as far as um, my fashion district takeover um, of being, you know, working as a stylist assistant for many years. Um, you know, working with tons of celebrities, tons of designers, attending so many seasons of New York Fashion Week, working with the Met Gala for over 10 years, um, you know, traveling the world. And then now, you know, being that person that's like your fashion friend in your head that wakes you up in the morning, sometimes even before you had coffee to kind of talk about 
the latest fashion do's and don'ts and, you know, how you can be more confident um, with style. So it, it's been a journey, but it's been something that's really been really great and rewarding. Um, and it all just started with me just kind of having a little faith and, um, and a lot of grit. <laughs> Man, the intangibles, the intangibles. I love it. The little exactly. things, the little things. Wow, I mean, that's that's quite a journey, man. So, Denise, who have you worked with in terms of designers or other stylists or even who are some of your clients or who have been some of your clients over the years? Yeah, I mean, well, 10 plus years in the fashion industry, I've really had the experience to work with so many different celebrities and designers. Um, and so what will normally happen is that I have worked for a stylist for almost seven years. Um, and we would do a lot of the covers for Harper's Bazaar, um, European Vogue, um, Oprah Magazine. You know, we did a lot of fashion spreads in there. And so I've had the opportunity to really have behind-the-scenes experiences with actresses like Leighton Meester, um, you know, Halle Berry, Beyonce, Kendall and Kylie Jenner, um, Jennifer Lopez. Sarah Jessica Parker, even our former first lady, uh, Mrs. Obama, Um, a lot of, you know, amazing celebrities that were fantastic to to even get that experience as a stylist assistant to work with their teams, you know, Um, and then designer wise, Naeem Khan, which is an amazing designer, Bejeweled, you know, crystals, all types of Swarovski crystals. He's very elegant in his design. Um, I worked with Naeem for about 14 seasons uh, with New York Fashion Week. Um, And I've also gotten to work on photo shoots with designers like Karl Lagerfeld, Oscar de la Renta, you know, um, photographer Peter Lindbergh, you know, a lot of those greats have passed away recently. And to say that I've been able to work with them has been amazing. Uh, Vera Wang, mm. I've worked, worked on photo shoots with her, you know, many occasions. Diane von Furstenberg, um, you know, Prabhu Garang, Proenza Schooler, uh, Alexandra Wang. There's so many designers. Um, and it's just been really, really great to kind of have those experiences on the high end of fashion. And then just as far as, like, clients, you know, um, once I kind of went out on my own, I've worked, you know, from everyone from J.C. Penney to Macy's to Sephora, Neutrogena. Um, currently, I am working with um, Olay, for formerly Oil of Olay, but now they go by Olay. Um, you know, Kohl's is another great client of mine. Um, a lot of curvy plus size brands that I've had a lot of good consulting projects with fashion to figure eloquy. Um, and it's really been great to just kind of have those experiences of working with brands, you know, even like a Marshall's and a TJ Maxx, um, and fruit of the loom, I've been able to be like their brand ambassadors and spokesperson, uh, for a lot of different projects that they've done. So that's really been cool. Um, and then I also do a lot of television work with um, the Today Show, Dr. Oz, uh, a lot of Fox affiliates in the top 20 market. Um, so my shout out to my Baltimore, Philadelphia, D.C., Chicago, Atlanta, and L.A., uh, Fox family. <laughs> um, you know, I've really been blessed to do that. And then, you know, internationally, I have a, a pretty decent following in Canada 
um, because I also contribute to the Maryland Dennis Show for CTV uh, Network. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you are the future queen of television. I mean, I'm seeing it now. Yes, of <laughs> course. That's, that's just, um, it's really, really great to have those flashes, uh, we always say, in our, in our name. So a style and beauty expert, fashion expert. Um, I added lifestyle expert to my brand um, at least about eight months ago when I did some projects with Dr. Oz. And so I was really grateful for that because that really kind of um, catapulted me into doing more tabletop. Um, if you guys are familiar, like when you see a lot of people say, you know, gift guides and what to buy and, you know, a lot of things are on the table with different products, you know, placed out on the table really nicely. That's something that I always wanted to kind of experiment with more. And so with working with the Dr. Oz show, I was able to add lifestyle expert to, um, to my, you know, career path. And that's been really rewarding as well. Do you think talk show host is in the future as well? I, I do enjoy hosting. Um, I started doing something digitally, which has kind of been fun during quarantine. And um, it was something that I kind of wanted to do. Um, but now I've kind of become like a little producer. So I had to get my ring lights and, you know, get my little space together where I would kind of host things. So, um, yeah, I've been, I've been working on that, too. It's something that I feel like is very innate. It's natural. Um, I always try to stay as authentic to who I am in real life um, as possible when people see me on television. Uh, so, yeah, definitely hosting and, you know, having a digital show or, you know, doing something on television with hosting. That I, I definitely would love to do that, too. Now, Denise, you seem to be hired for a lot of challenging products from what. Our- uh, projects, I'm sorry, from from my understanding. Are you sort of the go-to person uh, for challenging project, projects? Um, I mean, it kind of mean like, what do you mean by challenging? <laughs> well, I was reading somewhere that brands hire Denise Caldwell uh, when there's a big undertaking or there's an emergency. And you, you seem to be just not only a stylist, but, um, but a misfixit. You, you know where the pieces should go. A lot, you know, for brands, um, not necessarily that it's a challenge. Um, Celebrity-wise, you know, I had the opportunity to work with so many celebrities um, in my career coming up. And that really helped blossom me um, and kind of have my foot, you know, embedded where I wanted to go in the fashion industry. Um, And so I chose to go the more commercial route with my career. And so that's where retailers and brands, um, you know, kind of reach out more so. Um, I'll do a celebrity every now and then to keep my street cred up. You're right. Um, But I am, you know, I'm not a celebrity stylist. I do know a lot of celebrity stylists. um, And a lot of the celebrities that I have worked with, they have teams. Um, You know, I just was happy to be a part of those teams and um, got a lot of insight and great opportunities um, with that. But... More so brands do hire me when they are looking to reach a specific audience, um, also cater to their audience that they currently have. Um, you know, I, there are a couple of brands that were relaunching and they were looking to do a, a lot of things differently. So I gave them insight coming from a high fashion perspective 
a perspective, you know, that has worked with celebrities in the past, but then also because I'm curvy and I represent the plus size community, I'm able to give insight on what real women, you know, want to shop for, what they're looking for. Um, and then doing, you know, over 500 makeovers, <laughs> um, I've, I've seen every body type there is mostly. So I've been able to kind of um, use that skill to kind of say, you know what, if it's underwear, if we're doing something, I can tell you where the panty line should be, you know, what type of material might go best. Um, so I do kind of know the ins and outs of different fabrics. And that's also because I work with designers. I saw designers drape things on mannequins. I saw pattern makers, how they would cut things. And don't get me wrong, Crispin, I am not a designer at all. I barely can sew. Um, <laughs> you know, I can do a nice little button for my husband, my future husband, when he needs me to. But um, I'm not a seamstress. <laughs> But I do know the body and I know how things lay on women and, um, you know, especially how we always want to be seen and comfortable, you know, in our best light um, and be confident in our clothing. So, yeah, brands do like to hear my input when it comes to those things. And I, I like to think myself as an asset um, for the fashion community. Got it. Got it. Now, just to back up a little bit, you how did you go from stylist to Style and beauty expert. What was the opportunity that launched that that whole thing where you ended up on television? Did, did people see you working with a particular celebrity or, yeah, how did that come up, come about? Um, it was pretty, it was kind of like God almost, I want to say. A lot of things that have happened to me have just been timing. Um, I love the word serendipity, but mm -hmm. I also know it's, it's God's grace. Like, he's always looking out for me with opportunities. Um, and so when I worked for a particular stylist, she also did television. So we had a lot of different clients, high-end, but we also had commercial clients. Um, and and you, you guys probably hear me say the word commercial a lot. Commercial is more when it's more relatable. It's the masses. So when we're talking about, you know, Sally Hansen, um, you know, Estee Lauder, uh, different things like that that where you know your hsn qvc target um you know or max cosmetics where it's kind of still has that fashion flair to it um but it's stuff that you could shop it from omaha nebraska to arkansas to california to washington state to alaska to new york to connecticut to florida you know they, they have those stores, they have those brands at your local mall, your standstill mall, your street side mall, or they have those stores, you know, um, readily available. And then you can shop them on the internet and they ship to your, you know, to where you live. So um, that's where that kind of happened for me, where I always had that experience of the high-end world and the commercial world. So mm -hmm. when we were doing TV, um, producers would approach me and be like, oh my gosh, I, you know, I just happened to walk by. I heard you with the other assistants or with your team and your interns and you're funny, but you know, fashion, but you're cute or you're <laughs> curvy and you're black, you know, and producers are busy people. So they don't necessarily have time to tell you like the ins and outs, but they want to get their point across really right, quickly right. to you. <laughs> So, 
you know, I wasn't offended when they say, oh, you're black, you're curvy, you're funny, you're cute, you're no fashion. It was just like, I have five seconds to get this across to you and let you know what I came in here for. Um, and it was basically to say, like, would you be interested in doing TV? And at that time, you know, I have to be honest, and this is another tip for people that may be, you know, thinking about career transition or where to go. If you're in a specific career field or position and someone's hired you to do something, but someone also approaches you at that time when you um, are um, on air or like when you're actually working and stuff, you kind of want to be professional about it and be loyal. Um, so when you be professional and loyal about it, just, you know, I graciously turned it down because I was on a job where somebody hired me and I didn't want to think that I would be taking another job from someone, you know, while while I'm actually doing a job that someone hired me for, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, totally. And I know we're in that microwave era where people want it hot and they want it fast. And it's like, let me get in where I fit in. Let me get mine while the opportunity and the getting is good. Um, Reputation. It doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it'll come back to haunt you because it's almost even like, I don't, you know, a lot of people say personally, how you get a man is how you lose them if you didn't get it right. <laughs> how you get a job, girl or guy is how you lose it. Um, and so you, I just wanted it to be on the proper timing. And the proper timing was to say, you know what, I'm actually on the job right now, but oh my gosh, thank you so much for thinking of me. And that kind of put a light bulb in my head to say, hey, Denise, people are, are acknowledging your hard work, they're seeing your talent, and it's only but a matter of time. And right. I kid you not, when I was ready to make that jump, literally the, those same producers I saw had moved on to other shows, and I ended up getting an opportunity to film for Bethany Frankel. Then I end up getting my Dr. Oz appearance. Then, you know, I was in New York. So our Fox 5 News, which was is number one in the market for Fox, I end up doing, you know, their morning show. So these people remembered me and I was memorable to them enough where they remember me a year later to be like, oh, my gosh, I remember you. Oh, you know, are you still interested in TV? And by that time, I kind of figured out what I wanted my brand to be. Um, as far as being that expert that is known for helping, you know, women, sometimes men, dress with confidence. Um, and that's really kind of how it jumped off. And that really kind of established me from going from fashion stylist to an on-camera person as a style and beauty expert. Touch on that for just a, a little bit. You said that you figured out what you wanted your brand to be. How does one figure out their personal brand? Because I think a lot of people have Uh, trouble with that at times yeah I I mean it's more so also going back to those core things that we talked about you know your passion what's your passion um what do you have faith in yourself confidence in yourself that you can actually do you know a lot of times we're like oh that that sounds amazing but then when you when you look at the requirements of the job you're like oh shoot can I really do that oh wait am I qualified to do that am I talented enough to do that um, well, God bless me with this opportunity to show that I can do it. Um, and then grit, you know, can, do you have the work ethic, the hustle to really pull it off? Um, and so if you can answer those things about the passion, the confidence that you have in yourself 
and then the grit and the hard work that you're willing to put into it, then, you know, you know that that's for you. So if you can kind of think of those things, what are you passionate about? What do you like doing? You know, when we talk about like this new generation of, of the college kids that are just graduating, a lot of them will instantly be, you know, thousandaires and millionaires right off the bat because they're using their technological skills, their digital skills, their quirky skills, you know, they're very, very transparent and they're not afraid. They have gumption um, and they can make it happen really fast. And so that's their brand. And that's, and you know, so I think that that's an amazing thing in itself. What are you passionate about? What are your skill sets? Um, and then once you kind of have those things together, you know, we always know preparation, opportunity equals success. Mm-hmm. So if you're prepared and you get the opportunity, success is definitely the outline that's going to come from it. And as far as like for me personally, when I thought about my brand, you know, I know that I'm charismatic. A lot of people have told me that ever since I was young, but I think it goes back to my visual and performing arts days. I love performing. I love smiling. I had energy. Um, You know, I always have a positive outlook on things. So I just kind of channeled that into my brand. Turns out that makes a great television personality, you know? Mm. So the television part really added to the fashion part, which I always loved fashion. My dad loved fashion. My mom loved fashion. Um, my grandma, not so much, but she knew high quality stuff and she spent her money very well on things, but she didn't love to necessarily shop. Um, so, you know, I was using a lot of different things that were already in my background. And then once I kind of got the experiences with my internship, Um, And then when my career really started to take off and I got even more experience and opportunity, you know, to go to Paris for couture, to work with all those designers and see how they create from the ground up, Um, you know, and then working with different stylists and learning what their aesthetics were, what, you know, they deemed to be beautiful when they were creating imagery and how the photographer got different angles. I was soaking all this up. These were my master classes. This was my education because I didn't study fashion. Um, but I also was working hard while I was doing it. So it kind of all came together. And then I figured out my brand, like, you know, with all that. But I used all those experiences to really help me and kind of hone in what I wanted, you know, style and beauty expert Denise Caldwell to be. Got you know, so when, so when a lot of people were like, oh, you know, instantly if, when my name is brought up in rooms and emails and conferences and Zoom meetings now and, you know, different things, they kind of know they're getting this person that, you know, has great personality, has great skill, but she also knows, you know, what a good garment should look like and, you know, is able to make women and sometimes men feel confident, feel comfortable um, and get the proper style solutions that they need, you know, to make their life feel more flattering and, um, you know, more confident through fashion and beauty. So, um, yeah, but it all kind of comes together. It took time, but again, I kind of am this person that always kind of am a planner. So I'm thinking like, okay, how do I want to map things out? And I've been ambitious all my life where I'm like, okay, I kind of want to do it this way. And I'm thinking this way, 
Um, and now I have a team that kind of helps guide that too. So, um, but I knew what I wanted first. I was able to articulate that to my team. And then they use their talents, their skills, and their network to really help other things come together. So that's a real key thing, you guys. Definitely know who you are or kind of who you want to be brand-wise. And that way you can articulate that to somebody that's asking, you know, how can I help you to elevate and go to the next level? Indeed. I always remember you being very, very well put together in college, though. I do remember that. Thank you. (laughs) So yeah, fashion was always in your in your line of fire. And you know, as I was listening to you just now, I was, I was thinking to myself, this would be an awesome course one day. You know, and a big part of your job seems to be educating and teaching. Speak a little bit about that aspect of your job because you really really are good at it, number 1. Yeah, yeah, just just speak about that, uh the teaching aspect. Um, you know, well, as far as like the teaching aspect is more so like I just always try to be relatable to people. Um, you know, when we're talking about fashion, that's one thing that it doesn't matter your race, your color, your creed, your sexual preference, your religion. That's something that we are always going to have a commonality with regardless. Um, because at some point you're going to need to shop for something, even if you don't like it. But if you love it and you indulge in it, you know, you you want to know what the latest trends are. You want to know what your favorite celebrities or influencers were wearing and how you can get your hands on it. And probably for a good budget price, too. Mm. <laughs> um, so I just like to offer tips and tricks on how, you know, you can confidently enjoy fashion, how you can confidently enjoy beauty. You know, um, I try to meet the person where they are. And most of the time, that's in their home. You know, I've I've been so, you know, it's such a grateful thing when people allow me into their home. In the mornings, most of the time, you know, before they've had their coffee or they're eating breakfast or they're on their way to work or they're snuggled up with their family. um, And we're having a conversation. And then I I become like their friend in their head, you know, because we're talking about stuff. Um, and I love that part of it. And then when you add on different parts of like makeovers, I'm really just wanting to help the person be them that their best self, you know, um, especially with women. When I do makeovers, I really want to help them to be confident in the skin that they're in, in the size that they're in. Uh, sometimes, you know, the women are making a transition from, from being, you know, mom to post baby you know sometimes it's pre-baby um you know they made a transition from a divorce or they're about to get married or they graduate in college and going into the workforce um you know we cover a lot of different angles you know they they they've gained weight um and they want to dress their new body you know they've lost weight they want to dress their new body um and so we talk about everything from underpinning, you know, the best bra to wear, the best underwear to get, the best shapewear, because um, it's always, you know, a fabulous outfit is only as fabulous as what's underneath that outfit. Um, and so for my ladies listening, and my guys too, um, you know, having the proper underpinnings under your outfit really makes a difference. Um, it makes you stand out. It makes you more comfortable. gives you good posture. Um, you know, as far as with bras, ladies that also has been researched that, you know, it helps with the breast, um, breast different health so that, you know, with cancer and different things. So 
Um, I just always try to be mindful, but I also try to make it fun and relatable, you know, when we talk about it, um, because it's fashion, you know, you want to have fun with it. You want to bring out your personality and, you know, this day and age, it's kind of your calling card so that if you're looking for a new job or you're looking for a man, you know, you're out there dating and you want to put your best self forward. I really help with that. Um, and so it is education, but it's also, you know, we talk about, I let them know. I've seen a lot of your favorite celebrities, you know, in the nude because I was a stylist assistant. So I was helping them get dressed and I was helping them do things. And, you know, when it all boils down to it, we're all real, tangible people. Uh, but once we put on our clothes and our makeup, you know, that's like our armor. So we become this, this better self, this better person by doing that. Um, so yeah, I, I, I just love it. And I think it's something that's great. Um, you know, your parents really kind of put your best foot forward, regardless of what you're doing every day, because if you're looking good and you're feeling good, you're, you're going to go good. out. <laughs> yep. Well, you're going to go out in the world. You're going to do good. Yeah. You're going to do good. You're going to make somebody's day because you're feeling a little bit taller. You know, you got your favorite red lipstick on. Your hair is looking amazing. You know, you got a little cleavage showing and or you're showing a little leg. You know, just, just different things um, that really help to make you feel confident so that you can help be the best person that you're supposed to be that day. I remember Deion Sanders saying that if you look good, you feel good. And if you feel good, you do good. <laughs> All right, Deion. I remember <laughs> Denise, you've inspired so many people, but who or what inspires you? Um, well, I mean, I always start with family. When I talk about people that have ins- that that are inspiring to me, my mom is an educator, um, and so she inspires every kid from like kindergarten to about the fifth grade <laughs> at her elementary school. Um, and so I love that. Um, aspect of it. My grandmother is an inspiration to me. Um, so blessed to have her around. You know, she drove taxi for 42 years. Um, mm. So she was a trailblazer in a male-dominated industry, you know, all her life, basically. Um, so she's a hard worker, and I think that's where I get a lot of my work ethic from with my grandmother. Um, and, you know, when we think about People that I know, like my first lady at my church, uh, Pastor Elizabeth Barbosa, who is amazing. Um, She's a first lady. She's a mom, but she's also a pastor. I just love her spirit, her fiery spirit, her honest, you know, spirit, um, her comforting spirit. And she really can send you with a a word that will inspire you and empower you um, and challenge you. So I love that. Um, I have my church mom, Miss Rose, who's amazing. Um, there's a lot of female pastors at my church. There's a lot of male pastors, too. But um, I love the essence of women that, you know, can still have a role in something that's deemed male-dominated, but still make it their own. So Pastor Grace, who I love, too. Um, and then, you know, when we think about, I'll list women because I am a woman, and I always love to be inspired and empowered and motivated um, by women. So, you know, of course, Michelle Obama, who is someone that I just think is fantastic. Kamala Harris, um, mm. you know, and I think she's so amazing. Um, she's so eloquent and everything, but she's chic 
and she just um you know she's just a great person fighting for justice but she's also doing it with grace um and, you know, and, and she makes a great tuna melt <laughs> no, no, no. She was showing okay. another. She was showing well, another. I know some people. Well, I know she's a Howard grad, but I know some people that know her. So I'm like, wait, you've been lucky to. Um, I almost, I almost met her, but I, I contributed to her campaign. Um, but I, yeah, I was just like, oh wait, did you meet her? No, yeah, no. She was, she was on. Um, I think it was Instagram showing a colleague of hers how to make a tuna melt because uh, he attempted to make one. It didn't turn out as as well. Was he, as he oh, wow. anticipated? Oh. <laughs> so they, oh my God. they did a yeah, face, she, they did a FaceTime call, and she was showing him how to, how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Well, see, she's well rounded. You gotta love that. Now you got me craving a tuna melt. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> <laughs> but but no, but even like you know, from my early parts of the interview, Debbie Allen, um, you know, Stacey Abrams, um, Keisha Bottoms, you know, Nikki Giovanni. I am Hillary Clinton. You know, there's so many amazing people. Um, Glenda Bailey, who was the former editor-in-chief of Harper's Bazaar, to hear her story, she was always groomed to be an editor. And although she, um, some may say, you know, she's hardball, I think that she, to do what she did for the 19-plus years at Harper's Bazaar was just amazing. I'm excited to see what um, their new editor-in-chief is going to do. Um, and she's a woman of color, Samira. So I'm really excited to see that. But there's so many people that, you know, everyday people, but then people that I've had the opportunity to meet and work with. And then there's just some women that I aspire, um, you know, to be like because of their characteristics, of their feminine ways, of their leadership skills, um, their spiritual, you know, essence of them. So, those are the kind of things that I look for. And then there's just some amazing men that, you know, my life wouldn't be what it is, um, you know, had I not been raised by them, um, different things like that. So that that's kind of what I look for when people say, you know, oh, I think a lot of times people think of celebrities right off that. I like to give the experience of I've actually met some of these people or they raised me. Um, and it's not just the tangible thing of them being a celebrity or having a high position, but it's like their morals, their values, um, you know, their feminine ways, their wit, um, you know, their passion, their work ethic, which really then speaks to me, you know, as a woman um, who has a business and who is edu- college educated, but also has aspirations to do even more professionally, personally, and in the community. Now you definitely you definitely uh named a lot of powerful women and I can see why they would inspire you. Speaking of inspiration though, tell me about a I know fashion is hard. It's one of the hardest industries to enter uh let alone to maintain a career in and you've done it wonderfully for as you said 10 plus years. Tell us about a one of your low points in your career and how did you manage to to uh, get out of it? think that I've had a low point in my career thank God um and I'm rebuking anything that is low (laughs) in my life um or challenging I I should I should have used the word challenging I know I'm like I don't have time for that um (laughs) but I will say this when personal and professional collide um Ah. that will happen you know 
it is something that happens to me a lot um, in my career. A lot, a lot of missed, a lot of missed birthday parties. Well, no, I'm gonna say like more personal. Like, let me let me give this example. Well, let me give this teaching note to everyone: uh, a missed birthday party, a wedding, um, you know, a date. Um, those things you just need to prioritize your life. What's important to you? Um, and if you're in a relationship or seeking a relationship, cause I, you know, I, I've dated all throughout my career. Sometimes I've had, you know, dry spells, but I've, I've gone out on dates. And then sometimes I've been in relationships when I've been thriving and working. Um, and this is something that, you know, especially for people that are, are younger, um, or even older, because I know a lot of times people are transitioning all throughout their times of their lives and their ages. You want to pick a tribe mm-hmm. that understands your plight. Mm-hmm. They understand, you know, you guys have the same values. You have the same morals. You have the same goals. And you may say tribe. What does she mean by that? That means your friends. You can't choose your family. Your family is your family. Right. Um, but your <laughs> friends and, and, and who you're, you're, you know, your lovers. You know, you're the person that you're dating with, the person that you're interested in having, um, you know, a higher impact with in your life. Um, you know, you want to choose your tribe very carefully. So I've kind of always done that, although I'm very social. I've never met a stranger ever in my life. Um, and so, but when we talk about my inner circle of people, we all kind of have the same ideal and the same aim. So, um whether I missed a wedding or I was late to a wedding, which I've done that before. Um, you know, I've been a bridesmaid and I've missed the, the dinner rehearsal the night before because I had to work. Uh, I missed the special pedicure moment, you know, um, but I had to work and it was important. It was something that was hugely important. But I will say, um, choose your tribe and choose it wisely. And if you happen to fall in love with someone or become friends with people and they don't quite understand your career, do your best to articulate your goal, what you're trying to do, how you're trying to break a generational curse that's never happened before in your family, and you want to be a trailblazer in your family, um, how you want to raise future leaders, how you want to contribute to your household. Um, and in order to do that, you have a goal that you're working towards in your career. You want to inspire somebody you want to you know aspire to inspire somebody you want to do those things and so um you know sometimes I knew people say why you work so hard and I'm like well you know this is why I work hard these are the reasons why so um I would say sometimes it's always challenging when the personal and the professional collide um and the only thing I can think of a lot of times I sometimes have the unfortunate thing of where some of my family members had passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was important to me to be there to celebrate their passing. And I remember there was a photo shoot with Mark Jacobs. I'll never forget it. And I was trying to figure out my, my, um, my great aunt had been sick for a really long time. And I had taken some time where we had went back and forth um, to St. Louis, which is where I'm from in the Midwest. We had went back and forth a couple of times in between while she was sick as her health really kind of, um, you know, decreased. 
to kind of get our final goodbyes in, but I knew I would need to go back when it was due to do the final goodbye. Um, and my, my boss was very gracious to me and understood that, but it happened that there was a Mark Jacobs photo shoot and I was a senior assistant and there was nobody else. So I had an intern who had been interning with us for a good, I want to say four months. So she knew how I navigated. She knew how I operated. She and I had kind of really become friends because we were kind of close in age. And I said, you know what? I could either go do the photo shoot and try to come in the same day as the funeral, miss all the family gathering stuff. And, and because I really wanted to meet Mark Jacobs, you know, and that was just a, such a huge highlight in my career to work mm-hmm. with him. It was a high-end magazine. We were doing it for it. It was a special launch of Louis Vuitton that he was doing. Um, it was just so much stuff. And I said, you know what? I trust Michelle to do this photo shoot. So I told my boss, hey, Michelle's going to be your assistant that day. I'm going to St. Louis for my aunt's funeral. Um, this, these are the things I need you to do. Like, as the assistant, you kind of become the boss to the boss just for a little bit when you're organizing the photo shoot and making sure everything's done. So I made a list of what she needed to do. I made a list of what Michelle needed to do. Michelle checked in with me. I went. I I buried my aunt. I had a good family time. And it was funny because when I got back, my boss was like, I had told Michelle she didn't need to come over and do the packing and stuff. We could handle it at the house. And then I hear the doorbell, and she's like, oh, Denise sent you, didn't she? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> and so, although I wasn't there, I was there. Right, and I, still running I knew, Yeah, and I knew then the importance of kind of micromanaging, but also delegating. But delegating it to people that I could trust that would get the job done. Um, and so that's a challenging thing in itself, Um when you you're used to prepping a job for a big especially a big job like that you prep it you have the garments you have the accessories and you're used to following through with it but i didn't do any of that and i was able to you know delegate that to someone that i trusted and it turned out fantastic you know um and i really appreciate to this day it was funny michelle interned with us probably for a year um And then I end up helping her get a job with another stylist. And to this day, she's like one of my best friends. Um, And so, you know, those those are the kind of things where we say it was challenging. I I like to say the pit and the peak of it. You know, sometimes when we sit with our family, we talk about what the pit of our day was and then what the peak of our day was. And, you know, we talk about the progress or the flourish of it. So that was a pit moment that I knew I wasn't going to be there because I had to go to the funeral. But the peak was that somebody showed up for me that I delegated to and they got the job done and it was able to be a success. And that's true teamwork. Um, And so I don't care what career you're in, what career field you're in, what position you're in. If you can entrust people to really be a part of your team, that's an asset, you know, that you know they're going to show up and have your back and do a job like you would do it you know, maybe even better than you would do it. Um, But yet you all both still get the glory and the satisfaction and the approval from your boss for it. Um, So that was a learning experience for me. And it also was a great way to show how I can relinquish power, um, but also still be able to get the job done, if that makes sense. 
No, totally. Totally does. Conversely, what are some of the high points in your career? Like some of the your favorite projects that you've worked on or that job that you finished and said, wow, I did that. Oh, yes. I feel like there's so many. Um, I mean, especially when I first started in fashion. Like, mind you, I didn't study fashion. I, did, I wasn't a fashion student. Right. I had had a couple of internships, you know, but I, I was kind of like, you know, really wet behind the ears and just excited, you know. So um, one of my first styling assistant jobs was with Karl Lagerfeld. And that was like, I'm like, well, heck, if I start here, where else can I go? Right. <laughs> um, and so that was something that was really great. Uh, Mr. Mr. Lagerfeld was amazing. Mm-hmm. And we went from the um, Grand Central Station to the Empire State Building to Times Square, all, this, all of these pinnacle New York staples and filmed with about 35 tall Glamazon supermodels. Um, and so that was exciting. Um, it was also a lot of work, but it was great. And I was, even though that was one of my first jobs and I was a second assistant, so I wasn't the first key assistant. I was assisting the assistant. Um, but it was such a great opportunity and they, they really trusted me to do a lot. I didn't just stay in the, um, trailer and steam. I actually came on set and helped with the garments and, you know, different things. It was really, really great. Um, and then, you know, a couple of other things to go to Paris for the first time. Um, I was just, you know, probably what, 22, maybe Uh, going to Paris, you know, basically straight out of college. Um, you know, my first real full-time job as a stylist assistant where I wasn't freelancing, um, I had just gotten my passport, so I was really excited about that. And I was in Paris for ten days, Ooh. and we sh- we shot ten fa- we shot two fashion stories, and it was couture at the same time. So all the couture fashion shows were going on. It was just high energy. It was amazing. Um, everything was paid for. <laughs> so it's always good, you know. And all the champagne and the wine and the bread and the cheese and the shopping. I mean, um, to soak all the personal stuff in that I wanted to do, but still get to do all the professional stuff that that just really elevated my career. Um, And mind you, you know, I'm African-American young girl doing this. African-American curvy young girl doing this. I mean, that's kind of like insane in itself. Um, And then I've had some fun moments where I spent just like, 48 hours in Barcelona with like four huge supermodels to get them ready for a big appearance for Estee Lauder one time. Um, and I thought that that was pretty cool. <laughs> um, and then when I really, oh, and I have to remember running across the Brooklyn Bridge with Sarah Jessica Parker in a couture Chanel, um, a, Hulk, a Chanel Hulk couture gown. I was like, let me say it right. Running across the Brooklyn Bridge with Sarah Jessica Parker in a Chanel Hope Couture gown was amazing. It was a highlight of my career, um, and I'll never forget it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then as I got more seasoned and when I went out on my own, like my first time doing Dr. Oz, how he was so welcoming to me, and I didn't really know how it would be, and he came to the rehearsal, and I was like, oh, 
I didn't know they'd come to the rehearsal. He came to the rehearsal, and he was like, oh, hi, you know, I'm Dr. Oz. And I'm like, oh, I know, you know, it's so interesting. Um, and then right before we're about to go on, we had our hair and makeup, and everybody's looking all cute. He screams out my name, and he's like, Denise. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And he puts two thumbs up, and he's like, good luck. And I just <laughs> thought it was so cool. Um, I thought that was so cool. And, and then I would be remiss to say my grandmother, when I really knew that she was really in my corner, not to say she wasn't, but she kind of had reservations like fashion. When I was on the show with Kathy Lee and Hoda um, for the first time, and then I kept getting back on, and then they or, um, offered me some of their wine, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm in there, baby. Yeah. My grandmother was My grandmother was really pleased, and she was excited about that. So those are kind of some of the fun moments. And, um, you know, I know people are probably thinking, like, business-wise, um, okay, she's done all these great things. You know, what about money? How did she did she make it big on that? I will say the first time I got a five-figure check, I was really excited. And it wasn't a low five-figure check. It was almost a six-figure check. Right. Um, I was just like, wow, this is really happening. And then for that to continue to happen in my career, um, I just remember my attorney, Patrick, being like, D, because a lot of people call me D, so he's like, D, he's like, you're, you're good. This is You made the right decision. Sometimes I'd be like, well, should I go back to being an assistant? Should I go back and try to work in a magazine? You know, will things really work out? And, and they did. And so, um, you know, I just got the God be the glory on that, I will say, for sure. So specifically for people that are aspiring stylists or people that are already stylists, what makes a? I mean, this is a general question, but it's so important. What makes a good stylist? Um, it just depends on what type of stylist you want to be. Um, you have to have an aesthetic, and having an aesthetic is kind of this eye that you are able to um say what looks quirky, what looks beautiful. Um, what could be edgy, what's a little bit more refreshed, what's refined, um, what could be classic, you know, what could be appealing, um, you know, what could garner different types of attraction from different areas. Um, there's a lot of key things to consider with that. And then also, um, from a business aspect, are you able to garner in some type of press? some type of money, some type of customer base. Um, there's a lot of things to consider. Do you want to be a stylist that is, you know, all about the art, the dramatic, you know? Do you want to be a stylist that works more on, like, historical things, um, you know, like with museum-type things like that? Or do you want to be some that, one that's more commercial, um, you know, work with movies, with film, with TV? Or do you want to be a stylist that is a personal stylist, you know, a personal shopper where you help people on a daily day, day to day basis through retailers and different things like that? Um, you know, there's so many different career channels to it. Um, and I don't think people realize that as well, especially when you work in magazines. You know, there's so many things. So it's kind of like if you're thinking editorially, you want to be a stylist. Or commercially, you want to be a stylist or high-end. Um, kind of do your research and just think about 
you know, and follow people who have those careers or who have had those careers, um, this is where the teaching moment comes in, the history of it. I would say that's kind of what helped me excel more is because I knew about the Brana Wolfs. I knew about the Andre Leon Tallies. I knew about the Melanie Wards. I knew about the Amanda Rosses, the George Cortinas, the Mary Alice Stevensons, you know, the Nicole Frittens, the Glenda Baileys. Um, you know, I knew about all of these different people, the Agnes Comax, who were, you know, in the forefront African-American at W for 20 years. You know, the Kalana Barfields, like, you kind of want to know the Julie Wilsons. You want to know different people um, and how they started their career and where they currently are now so that you could kind of not only get some inspiration, but you also can kind of see where you might want to go. And then you, you make it your own, you know, then you create your own lane from that. But knowing the history of it, and knowing what positions were held in the past and what people are transitioning and pivoting to, you know, 10 years ago and what they're doing now, it's really important. Denise, in an ever-changing um, media space, we're into, like, the digital space, full throttle now, um, do you think traditional media is still relevant in the world of fashion? Because there's t- there are tons of magazines uh, on the shelves still, and... To be honest with you, it seems like the ones that are still doing well are fashion magazines. Yeah, I think, like, you know, traditional media is still going to always be something that is deemed important. And it's also a good fact checker um, Mm -hmm. for a lot of stuff. Um, I mean, you know, just think we didn't know that we would have a pandemic and that we'd be home watching more TV, consuming more news, you know, listening to more podcasts you know, tuning in to digital series, um, creating our own digital series, creating our own types of news and outlets, you know. So, but we have to have references on how to do that, you know. Right. And, and it's also, I still feel and enjoy this, and I know sometimes when I talk to people, there's nothing like getting a magazine in the mail and actually touching the paper and flipping through the pages. Oh, I'm, um, I'm on that board. I'm on that board. board with yeah. You. Right? I mean, you know, well, now you have to kind of disinfect it a little bit, but... Right, <laughs> right. You know, and there's nothing like it. I still enjoy and I still subscribe to certain ones. Like, I love Marie Claire... Um, Harper's Bazaar, I love. Um, I'll, I'll get a Vogue every now and then. Um, but there's certain magazines that I love. I don't know if people remember this one magazine called Suede, mm-hmm. which was really, really cool. Um, and it was, it was black owned. It was, um, African American women of color targeted, but it was amazing. It was a beauty, fashion, lifestyle magazine. It was so cool. It maybe had like maybe six issues. Um, and I want to say Amy Barnett was a part of that. And she was so cool with that. She went from Vibe and then she um, created Suede. But that's a really good one. And I have a lot of those in storage. I think I have all of them. But I just loved it. And she would do a Rolodex of all like the local hair salons and, and black-owned businesses. I mean, which is so funny because it's so key right now. But I'm like, we had a Rolodex of that in Suede, and she would do it every issue. And it could be, you know, 
ones that were in Atlanta, Chicago, you know, but then also in your Washington state or in Colorado, but she would, they would find those black businesses, those hair salons and talk about what they specialized in, what type of hair texture. It was just amazing. But, um, I started to say, sometimes I would go in my storage unit and I'm looking at these old magazines and I just love to go through them, not only for inspiration, but it shows sometimes how subjects are so evergreen. And if you guys are like, well, what does she mean by evergreen? It's just like topics that never go out of style, that they're they're classic and they're timeless. They may have a little tune-up or upgrade to it, but just how trends reincarnate, you know, um, a lot of topics and storylines and different things, they, they tend to reincarnate. And you put your, you put your take, you put your sauce on it, you put your stank on it, but it's still stuff that's been covered and talked about before. Um, so I always like when I can see those different fashion stories or when it's holiday time and I'm looking for inspiration on to tell people what to shop for. I just love kind of going to my storage unit and looking at old magazines that I have. And I, and I have them from everyone from a 17 to a Teen Vogue, you know, to a Shop, et cetera, which is no longer around, to a W um, magazine, you know, Vanity Fair, um, Essence. Ebony, you know, so many different ones. Um, and I just keep all those magazines in my storage unit and I kind of go back sometimes to reference it. I call it my little uh, Morgan Springer library. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. That's a Howard joke, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> in, in, inside HU. <laughs> what are, who are some of the uh, new brands or designers that you're excited about? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's many um you know i just found this one brand that i really like it's a canadian brand but they are um they're african-american and i could be saying it wrong ofure o-f-u-u-r-e um but they have like everything from different types of african garb and kente cloths and stuff um but they do it very um modern twist to it, a lot of off-the-shoulder crop tops, different things, and I'm just like in love with their stuff. So I'm gonna be getting a lot of their pieces. Um, they have some cute swimsuits, and they have some nice caftans, and a lot of different things. So um, I'm super excited about that. Um, there also is a huge Target collection that just dropped, and there are three different designers. Um, so we had Kushni. Uh, which was amazing, and Kushni is a high-end designer, but they have now have um, the Target collection, and then Lisa Marie Fernandez, which was one of the designers, and she actually used to be um, a celebrity stylist, um, and so she does a lot of stuff high-end, but she now um has even more offerings and so she's a part of the target collection so i'm excited and then they have one other designer i'm trying to think of her name um which i love but three different designers have just started and it's a dress collection um it's so beautiful oh love shack fancy um is the other designer so kushni love shack fancy and melissa marie fernandez um so I'm super excited about those, and I can't wait to really shop them. Um, I mean, there's so many designers and so many stores that are popping up and doing a lot of great things. Um, I still love going to, like, an H&M, a JCPenney, 
Um, you know, fashion doesn't have to cost an arm and a leg. I don't get me wrong. I love designer. Um, but then I also know like a lot of times now, you know, you're able to do stuff with the 3d digital printing and make different fabrics. And a lot of the retailers are producing a lot of things too. Um, which I really, really love, um, as well. So it's just an exciting, exciting time. You know, a lot of my friends are designers. Um, they started collections with the face mask. A lot of people are doing collections with that. Um, so it's just an exciting time to kind of be creative. Um, and I love that. And I still love shopping like on QVC and HSN, um, you know, different things like that. Cause I like to mix my high-end, my commercial, and my low-end pieces, um, and also get a few things from, like, the thrift store and the vintage stores, too. So, yeah. I, I like the fact that you are definitely not afraid to support the new. You know, like, some people get caught up in the business and, oh, I only I only use these types of designers or those type, but you, you really spread it across the board. Yeah, I do. I, and I believe in young talent. I mean, when I was a stylist assistant, although these are household names now, I remember, you know, Proenza, Alexander Wang, Prabble, um, you know, so many other designers where they were kind of like, you know, even Christian Seriano. A lot of them were young designers. Kushni yeah. and Oak, you know, now it's, it's just Kushni, but when Kushni first started, um, it was two, you know, women together that did the brand. You know, Erin Featherston was a young designer that I loved back in the day. I would never miss her fashion show because I was just like, oh, I want to go support Erin Featherston. I mean, there's so many young designers um, that I just always am inspired by. And I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see, you know, Jerome Lamar, which is a great young designer, has been around for a while, Laquan Smith, who started out, you know, years ago, but now he's become a household name. There's just so many great ones. Um, and as far as the fashion industry, you know, our uh, Council of Fashion Designers for America is just amazing on how they support and are starting to even support more young designers, designers of color um, as well. And it's just really a great time that if you're interested in starting a, a, a fashion line or you're interested in working in the fashion or beauty industry, now is the time to really, you know, do some research on who you could meet up with and get more mentorship with. Also, there's so many opportunities. Um, you know, don't let people think that 2020 is canceled. I think that we now are about to really evolve even more there's a shift in the atmosphere so i'm just excited about it love the optimism love the optimism now yeah. for a long time i mean as far back as i can remember really you've been an advocate for inclusiveness and in making stylish clothing accessible especially to curvy women do you think brands are doing a better job of that now and if not what more can they do um absolutely you know things things change um as the atmosphere changes. Um, and as far as when you talk about plus size and curvy, over, you know, 66% of the women in the United States are size 14 to 16. Oh, didn't know um, So, yeah, when you think about that percentage, you know, they're, they're shopping. Um, you know, they're shopping. A lot of them have the money, the access to 
spend. They're just looking for items and and quality and cute clothing, you know. Um, You know, are there more things that can be done? Absolutely. Um, But there's also been so much progress. A lot of, you know, retailers have started with extended sizing, so they offer at least up to a size 18 or 20. Um, And I know, you know, we we go well beyond that in the plus-size community. You know, we go 32, 34, 38. You know, we need sizing um you know to 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 uh cater to our curves but there is progress um and i love that part like new york and company is a great company uh fashion to figure which was founded by the grandsons of lena bryant um lena bryant which is lane bryant um yeah and so lena bryant's grandson started fashion figure and that's now owned by new york and company so that gives them even more access to things you know and with that they've had the gabrielle union collection they've they've you know collaborated with a lot of heavy hitters and influencers um you know so it's it's really a great time and i love that influencers and bloggers are really vocal you know they're vocal some some may appear to be angry but that's okay because sometimes when you're frustrated or you're looking for something and you want you're very passionate about it, you know, your, your enthusiasm may, you know, come off a certain way, but, uh, results still have been had and made. So I love that. Um, yeah. And then you still have your great brands like Ashley Stewart, who is in the community. Um, and they, you know, offer great stylish clothing at, at a great price. Uh, you have Lane Bryant, um, you know, we had the brand Avenue for a really long time, but I know that they just closed down um, this year. But there's been a lot of great brands. JC Penney has a great plus size collection. H&M has good plus size. You know, then there's um, online, online, you know, locations like Shein. Shein is a good mm-hmm. one. Uh, Boohoo. Shein from um, uh, China, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and, they did you know, a, they did a big shoot in Anguilla last year. Really? So yeah, and, and they Shein is really great. It's affordable and they ship out, you know, to all areas and locations. Um and they're really starting to make a mark in the US and have like a lot of presence, but they have great size offerings, um, you know, with different things. And then you have like Talbot, which is still great. Um, there's so many great ones and when we talk about like Underwear and shapewear, Waco, Bali, Fruit of the Loom. Um, you know, there's so many great ones where you can get great bras and great shapewear, Spanx, um, you know, Yummy. There's a brand, Yummy, that has really good underpinnings and great leisure, you know, wear that's really cool, really good for the body. So I think there's a lot of progression, um, and I'm super excited. What's, what's the next big thing for Denise Caldwell? <laughs> in the works um you know television i am slowly but surely starting to do segments we've been doing them in my closet in my apartment um so i hope that people will enjoy them um you know being a i'm not as digital savvy um i I normally hire someone to help with that but of course we've been quarantined so it's been team dc little old me by myself um 
and so that's a learning thing, you know, and I always feel like if you're not challenging yourself, you're not growing, and so um, I'm really excited about that. So I've been doing some television segments, uh, especially a lot with Canada, with the Marilyn Dennis show, uh, which has been really exciting, and I also have been doing some digital stuff. I created an um, IG series for Instagram called Style Minute with Denise. And so with Style Minute, we talk about a little bit of everything. We talk about fashion. We talk about beauty. We talk about confidence. We talk about faith. We talk about everyday essentials, um, small businesses that you should support. We talk about men's grooming. Um, you know, we talk about skin care, self-care, um, you know, talking about your weight and health care. We talk about it all. Um, and I always call in my friends that are experts in different fields to just tell us how we can be our best selves uh, while we have this little downtime. And so I'm super excited about that because Style Minute with Denise is going to expand once we're really able to be out in these streets. Um, you know, we'll do some Billy on the Street moments and some some ambush makeovers. So that's my little baby oh, project. Oh, that should be fun. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. It's my little baby project, and um, it's something that I had in my head created. So to see it flourish in fruition um, has been really great. And a lot of my clients and, and brands have been really supportive too. Um, so I'm excited about that. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Now, here's my, ne- here's my next question. What is, okay. the, what is the ultimate goal or ultimate <laughs> dream for Denise Caldwell? Um, You know, I just always pray to God to give me supernatural ideas, um, to give me supernatural ideas and to help me just to walk in my purpose. So I can't really tell you what that ultimate dream is. Um, I just always like to walk in alignment to what God has for me. And I always just pray to him to give me, you know, a larger impact um, to help empower, inspire, and encourage people, especially women, um, and to use my resources, you know, to broaden my territory. So that's really kind of how I operate uh, with things. And I'm always very open-minded and gracious when opportunities come my way. So, yeah, that's that's really it. So when people say, oh, my gosh, how she get that job or how she's doing that, that's that supernatural idea. That's that supernatural blessing that I pray and I ask for. <laughs> Indeed. Still loading. Still loading. Yes. All right. I got. I have a few rapid fire questions for you. Okay. Just some, just some fun stuff. What is the must have uh, summer a piece of summer clothing or or the must have summer accessory for women? Um. Well, I have to be honest. You know, I always dress for the environment that I'm going to be in. Um. And that's just a tip that I always tell people. Um. Dress for the environment that you're currently in, but also dress for the um environment that you aspire to be in so for me right now i'm in chill mode so it's really all about kimonos caftans and robes um you know i'm in lounge wear but stuff that feels great looks great on my skin has good color so if i need to take a picture i can do that if i'm feeling a little sensual and sexual i want to make sure that i'm looking great for that um, and I always try to put on a colorful lip. Um, I'm obsessed with red lipstick, so I put on a lot of red lipstick or like hot pink lipstick 
Um, and I like to, you know, wear my hair down. I don't really do bonnets um, for my hair. So I just like to always feel feminine and flirty, but still be functional in my everyday wear. And I encourage, you know, my women, my gals to do the same. Tell me a common mistake that men make with suits. Um, I don't do a lot of men. I mean, although I, you know, I, as far as gentleman company, I, I do love that. So I can tell you what I like and what I look for. Um, do tell. With a man, um, you know, tailoring. Making sure that whatever you're wearing is tailored nicely. I love a man in a suit. Um, preferably if it's like a good navy, a deep navy. I love a navy suit. And then I also love a classic black suit. And another great color combination, if it's a white crisp collar shirt, that's a must-have. You can roll the sleeves up a little bit and you can wear it with denim and white sneakers or a loafer. Or you can just have that white collared shirt with your traditional black suit and it still be tailored crisp and nice. Um, and also don't be afraid of color. So, you know, a blue collared shirt, a blue polo shirt, a great turtleneck, you know, gray is a great color and also have fun with your accessories. So get you a nice pair of sunglasses, you know, have you a, a, a mirth, which is a man's purse, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, a nice tote bag, um, have fun and personality with your socks, you know, your accoutrements that you wear under nice watch, um, pocket square, um, those type of things, you know, play around and have fun with it. Um, because that's kind of like your personality. That's your calling card. If everything else is traditional, it's okay to kind of have a little fun with, um, with your tie, your socks and your different accoutrements that you wear with your suiting. Give me two things that Denise always has in her handbag. Well, my handbag has kind of changed as of late because of COVID. (laughs) So I have my alcohol wipes um, because I love alcohol wipes. I always have loved alcohol wipes. Um, I thought you were going to say your alcohol. And my gloves. (laughs) I don't necessarily wear the mask. I usually do a satin scarf or a bandana because I I like to wear lipstick. Um, So I find with the bandana or the satin scarf, it doesn't really mess up your matte lipstick. So, ladies, that is a beauty tip that I'm giving you. Um, And another thing that I'm obsessed with, Crispin, is lip balm. I love lip balm. So if I'm not wearing lipstick and I'm more on natural that day, I own so much different types of lip balm. Um, That's a must-have that's in my purse. And perfume that I always have a small fragrance. You know, sometimes you can go to, like, Sephora or, like, your Macy's or Ulta, and they give you samples. I always carry at least two samples of perfume in my purse, um, just depending on my personality. I don't like to smell, like, outside when I come from the outside, so I always like to spray it in the air and just kind of walk through it. It gives you a little hint of sophistication. <laughs> got you. Got you. Now, Denise, this is a segment I like to call The Planet is Yours. I'm going to step off the planet and let you have the floor. What would you like to say to the audience? Um, I, I mean, I don't know. This was such a pleasure. I'll, I'll definitely say that. So you all that tuned in, thank you so much for, you know, tuning in and listening to my career path. Um, you know, me giving you some of the tips, um, also sharing you some of my personal and professional journeys. And I would always just like to say, as I love to tell people to dress with confidence, I think that confidence is just always key in anything that you do in life. 
Um, you know, passion, faith, and grit. Those are three things that I always like to live by. Um, I feel like they personally helped me to flourish in my life, um, personally and professionally. Uh, I'm a person that, you know, Crispin laughed a little when he said the optimism thing, but there's one thing that people know me, genuinely know me. Um, I am an optimistic person. I'm a person that likes to smile. I always like to see the glass um, half full versus empty. And um, although I am opinionated, I feel like being a great listener is something that is an investment in both your personal and your professional career. Um, and I know during this interview, you all probably have heard me, you know, categorize personal and professional. Sometimes it's good to separate both, but that is also the ingredient that makes you who you are. Um, that someone can see you in the light personally, but they can also see you in the light professionally. Um, because at some point, those two things will mesh together. So it's great to know that both of them are great equally. Um and that's really it. Yeah. Well said. Denise Caldwell, how can we contact you and follow your movement? Absolutely. So on Instagram, I am at Style Expert Denise, at Style Expert Denise. And on Facebook, I am Style Expert Denise Caldwell. And there's this little thing called Google. If you just put Denise Caldwell in there, I'll pop right up. <laughs> I know you will. <laughs> you definitely uh, have a stamp in the social media world. Your digital, your digital footprint is is immense. Denise, I cannot thank you enough for being on Planet Thirty. It was a pleasure. Your journey is inspirational. I know that you guys have enjoyed this interview. So, Denise, thank you so much. Thanks, Kristen. Thanks for having me. God bless you guys and you on a TV screen or a fitting room near you. Of course. This is Planet 30. I am Crispin Brooks, and this is Planet 30. Thank you for listening to this episode of Planet 30. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at OnPlanet30. Like us on Facebook.com slash Planet30. Our email address is onplanet30 at gmail.com. That's O-N-P-L-A-N-E-T-T-H-I-R-T-Y at gmail.com. For more information about Planet 30, visit our website, planet30.com. That's P-L-A-N-E-T-T-H-I-R-T-Y dot com.